just like I said last time, uh, I don't know how to, to start these uh, talks. So I guess we'll just say that we'll start it now. And uh, today I'm talking to uh, Val, Valdemar, again. Um, just because that I, first of all, I didn't think that we were finished last time. It was more a question of like, it was getting late. <laughs> but we had so much more that we could talk about and i thought yeah. it went really well yeah uh, i completely agree but as you were saying um we didn't fully finish last time we had a lot no. more to talk about yeah um, and i think it was a good talk that we had and this kind of podcast thing is still in a, a, like a experimental uh, phase i think where i'm just finding out how to to do it and how to um, also slice up uh, the videos afterwards and all of that kind of stuff. So I think it's uh, it's nice to talk to someone that I know really well. Uh, at least I feel <laughs> like I know you really well, <laughs> even though it's, it's been a long time that we've seen each other. So um, so yeah, that's why we're talking again. So you guys that are listening just have to deal with that. <laughs> <laughs> And we touched on a lot of different topics last time. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing, because last time I wasn't prepared at all, and I thought, okay, at least I'm going to consider a little bit what I would be curious about talking about. And one thing that I kept thinking about a little bit that I guess really I've been curious about since I met you was, like, we talked a little bit about last time, like, motivations. And when we met, um, I considered you very, very highly motivated person. Uh, with your work ethic and so on and last time you touched briefly on the fact that when you were younger you told your teachers like I want to make money and that was like sort of your thing Mm -hmm. I was curious back then was that like the main motivation that you you felt and yeah yeah as I remember it uh when like if we're all the way back to like primary school when I would tell my teachers that um I I was like I was always very much in doubt of what I wanted to do. I thought a lot of different things were interesting. I never thought that the I want to say regular job market was very interesting. Hmm. And I think that that scared me a little bit that um all of these things that uh other people wanted to be, I just couldn't see myself in yeah, I was always like, ah, that sounds really boring. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so so I kind of at that point with my limited reasoning skills kind of just thought, uh, I just want to be rich because then I can do whatever I want to do. Mm. And then I don't have to make a decision about what I want to do if I just get rich because then I can do anything, right? Yeah. And I think later on that translated into um, if I can learn how to do business, like build my own businesses, then I can basically work with anything that I want to do because I can make money off of anything because I know how to do business. Mm. And so then I got into a business and then we got, I kind of got back into the mindset of now I just want to get rich uh because now we have a business and uh, we were doing it with some really experienced uh entrepreneurs which we still are we still have the business with them 
um, and they were selling businesses left and right. And we were just like, yeah, we're going to do that as well. And we're going to get super rich. Um, yeah. But yeah, eventually just uh, the every day of it caught up with me, I think. And I started to realize that I need to do something that feels meaningful to me to actually keep that motivation. Um, but I, I basically, I think my motivation is still the same. It's just, I've found a better way to kind of frame it. My, my motivation is still, I want freedom um, because I know that I am, I'm a highly creative person. And one of the downsides of that is that you can be very interested in a lot of different topics. And like, like I just said, when we were starting, I can get easily distracted. Uh, and so I want to create a life for myself where that's not a problem, where it's not a problem that I uh, change projects very often. And I can just try mm -hmm. doing different things and see what feels uh, better than other things. Uh, that's kind of my motivation right mm -hmm. now. I, I made a video about it some time ago where I talked about I want to move out to this farm and build like a creative workshop out there where I can just like try out different uh, projects, creative projects, making video, making music, making clothing, making paintings, like all kinds of different stuff. And I think okay, that though, sounds very interesting. Yeah, I think so. I think it's uh, it's it has turned into a an interesting vision for my future. But I've been through a lot of different like ways of looking at it, and I guess the point where I moved away from the I just want to get rich part was was um, it was when I started to actually get some some serious money, and I was like this doesn't really mean anything to me. It doesn't mm. like, it doesn't really feel like I thought it would feel. It doesn't really change anything. And, and, and I realized that it wasn't really the money that I wanted. It was more the freedom. And there's a lot of different ways to create a lot of freedom in your life. One of them is to live very low cost, very minimalistic. You can create a lot of free time in that way. We don't have so many materialistic needs. Um, so that's a little bit more kind of the angle that I'm working uh, from right now is I try to live more minimalistic. I try to save up money. I try to invest money instead of um, working uh, 80 hours a week, doing a lot of things that i don't really enjoy doing instead of that i try to free up a lot of time to do all of the things that i'm that i actually enjoy doing but that i'm not necessarily earning any money from right now uh and i kind of create that freedom by living low cost and saving up and investing my money and all of that so mm. when did that start you said that it started changing when you're first experiencing actually getting like yeah it amount was of money for yourself it was when we sold, it was a specific date uh, that when we sold uh, a part of the company to a guy and um, uh, and so we got some money from that. We, all of us in the company sold mm. a, a, a bit of our share in the company to him 
And so we all got a, an, a, an amount of money for that. And like up to the day when we were supposed to get that money, I was really excited about it. And I was like, what am I going to spend the money on? And I had all of these ideas for how, what I wanted to buy. And it was just the disappointment that when I actually got that money and spent it and bought all of these things for myself, it was kind of just like, like, yeah, okay, that's, tomorrow is a new day with the same shit you, you know did you have a, did you have like did you have like let's say for example if you bought a playstation or something did you have like a certain amount of time where you were actually enjoying it and like super excited oh i bought all these things and then it switched or was it like instantly there was no like excitement attached to it straight away when you bought the stuff it's hard to really answer because some of the things that i bought i'm still really enjoying like this computer that I'm using right now. It's a very expensive gaming PC that I bought mm. or laptop, gaming laptop, actually. Uh, I'm still enjoying that whenever I sit down and relax and play a game. Uh, and I use that to also build the whole gaming channel up. So um, that was nice. And I'm, I'm still enjoying that. But actually, I just sold most of the things that I bought with yeah. that money and <laughs> invested all of that money into cryptocurrency. Oh, so nice. so nice. I guess like I enjoy my investment now, but but um to answer what what you asked me, the feeling of it not really being as satisfying as I'd hoped for came almost immediately. Um, but of course, the things that I bought, I had some enjoyment out of, but it was also kind of like tainted with this feeling of disappointment and this feeling of uh, what am I yeah. going to do? Because I just realized something. I just realized that this whole thing that I've been running towards for five years at that point or something is kind of meaningless so that was yeah. a big like um, realization and it kind of tainted the joy of those things that I bought uh, mm. so it was kind of instant it was kind of in the moment where I had the money on my bank account and I could see it I just instantly was like this did not feel like I had expected it to be I had expected myself to be like yes I like this is the biggest amount of money I've ever gotten in a day, but uh, it just didn't feel like that. So, mm. yeah. So, uh, so that was the moment. That sounds like a, that sounds like a good experience to have. As even though it's probably not very enjoyable, it sounds like it's like uh, one of those experiences that will change like your your values and. Uh, the, the path that you're taking in life it definitely has uh it definitely has changed my values and it just, but like it threw me into this roller coaster of uh not knowing what i then wanted to do with my life and how to do it and uh so it was really stressful mm -hmm. but it was good like now i feel really good about it because i have now I feel so much at ease or calm with what I'm doing and what my goals are with what I'm doing. Mm. 
so so yeah I, it's kind of like all of those other things where when you do something and you make a mistake or you 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 then you know like for example if you want to start a business i always believe that even though you figure out that that's not for you uh i think it's better to have tried it and know that that is not for me than mm. to like wonder what if i start yeah. a business right yeah yeah so it's kind of that feeling that i have some certainty about uh what it would feel like i think what it would feel like to earn a lot of money <laughs> yeah yeah and so, how long ago was that was it that that took place like how uh, many months or years i think it's about a year ago okay it was, so it was a, after you after you had a daughter as well like it was not that long ago no it was after i had a daughter and it was it's it's been a difficult period the whole like since i had a child and then corona hit mm. that hit our business as well which was very stressful then i had that experience uh not that long after and then we went through a process of actually firing everyone in the company and moving the company to an apartment and only being two people and having to kind of uh, pay off a lot of debt that we had because of Corona. And it, it was just, yeah, it was a crazy period. But now we've mm. kind of come out on the other side and uh, we are like cash positive and we're making a, a profit now and uh, it's, it's going really great and i'm doing this which i'm really happy about so i feel like these last what has it been these last three months i've kind of landed i've kind of come out of a long period of things not being very fun. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, but now I feel really good. I started to get in shape again and starting to do all this nice. again. So I really enjoy that. Yeah. I always yeah. feel like that, like those down periods, even though they're uncomfortable, are super healthy long term because it's like makes you sort of like reshape what you're doing, where you're going, and, and all of these things. Yeah. So that when you when you do move forward, you move forward with more like confidence, more certainty. Okay, I know why I want to do these things now, or I don't want to do those things now. Yeah, exactly. Is that kind of how you feel right now as well? Well, I would say I'm still a little bit in that period where it's yeah. not as enjoyable. I would say so. Um, yeah, I had why? this. I had this because I had this. Uh, I guess it's over a year ago now, probably one or two years ago, um, where I was doing these videos and I was very proud of myself because I it was the first time in a long time I committed something and I just followed through without questioning it, without um, deviating from my plan. And um, by the way, let me know if I lose connection because I see my screen is frozen now. You're back now. Okay. Just uh, keep talking because the audio is fine, and that's that's like that's the most okay, important thing. <laughs> um, got it. Because in mind it stops both. Okay, but so I had this period where I was doing all these things, and I go to a, a sort of like a retreat self development program, and one of these revelations that I have is like, okay, I'm doing all this, like putting my advice advice out there, 
trying to influence people online, but I feel like there's, I had a realization of how much I influenced the people around me and not because I'm like a particular person, but just like how much everyone influences the people around them mm-hmm. um, for good and for bad. And so with that realization and also with being a little bit, um, I would say burned out in a sense from the YouTube videos and feeling like I was pushing it more than I was really feeling it. I decided that okay, I'm going to take a break and I'm going to focus on like my closest circle so that I can be more myself around the people that I'm close to and sort of step into the discomfort of like changing the things that are not working there. And I started doing that and I really, I felt like I really healed a lot of relationships that needed a little bit of healing around me back home and stuff like that. Um, And then I guess I made a decision that, okay, I'm now going to focus on my business because I felt like I had like a foot in working and a foot in like self-development. And I had always wanted to, similar to you, like I had always wanted to make some money and be independent and be free, have this financial freedom so I could choose for myself what I want to do. And I just saw like, if I'm going to do like a little bit of both, I'm never going to go anywhere. And I know that if I work on the business, then maybe I can go somewhere with that and somewhere where I will have a lot of time afterwards where I can focus on my own stuff. And also I can develop myself because it will require that I push myself to actually keep uh, working and stay committed to it, which similar to you, I have a lot of passions that come up spontaneously and it's been a challenge for me before, like before this job now, I never had a job for more than like 10 months probably. Um, And I had a lot of different jobs. So uh, I thought, okay, it'll be a way for me to push myself to actually keep a job and stay with it and do the mundane thing, but keep doing it until it's working. And to grow as a leader, if I can get a leadership position, then I can we can get more people in and I can train myself to being a leader. So that's where I'm now and working in it. And, um, and it's going well with everything. But at the same time, I feel a certain sort of disconnect from what I was doing before where I'm starting to doubt what is it that I want long-term and I don't feel as connected to like my long-term vision or goal as I used to do and that makes me very uncomfortable because I had a period of like a couple of years where I was like okay it doesn't matter what I'm doing because I know where I'm going and I and I felt so much of a pull towards that direction that I I just trust that I'm going to end up there um and it feels so good to me, but now I know logically what, where it is that I'm going and what it is that I set out to do, but I don't feel the emotional pull of it as intensely as I used to, which scares me like crazy. Cause it's like, if I don't have that, then that, that was what I was counting on for my certainty and for, um, trusting the process and trusting everything. And now I don't see it. Um, and for me, it's one of those things where I trust that it will come back when it comes back. And I trust that I will find it when I'm meant to find it again. Mm-hmm. And that the part of the process I'm in right now is, is very much perfect, even if it's uncomfortable for the time being. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say that's sort of where I am now. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to travel again because I feel like when I travel, it helps me mix up my... Um, 
my way of thinking. So I like started like thinking in new ways, which mm -hmm. usually give me some creativity and ideas. And um, but that's pretty much where I'm at right now. I would say. So right mm -hmm. now you don't have like a a destination that you're going for, um, or you do, but you don't feel so emotionally attached. Um, I would say that I still have the same. I know the direction that I'm going in, and even though it's not as like specific and sharp as it used to be, um, I know that it's sort of the right direction. And then I feel that I'll just have to like re-discover um, like the specifics of where I'm going. In a sense, I don't. Mm. That's it. It doesn't come out as fluid as it is in my mind, but sort of. Um, that I, I I just need to like redecide the very specific details of it. Mm. Um, but overall, and part of it I would say is also that I'm like sort of discovering myself because in this like last year, the one thing that I'm very grateful for is that I've found so much new inspiration in terms of like different books and stuff that's inspired me and, and changed how I view the world. Mm -hmm. And so part of this process from my perspective is also that um, with these books, I'm changing my beliefs and I'm changing what matters to me. And so the goals that I had previously, they are not part of why they're not as, they're not feeling like as, I don't feel them as strongly is because the, what they were based on is suddenly changing a little bit and how I see myself, how I see the world is changing. Mm. And so I think a large part of the process is also when that change is sort of complete, uh, on like for now when like when this sort of next period and what i believe in is like more set in stone then i think the destination will sort of reveal itself as well mm. and what i believe about that is that it's like an ongoing process of like okay now i'm this person and i changed into this person and everything like always is changing and flowing mm -hmm. um but specifically i have these period i noticed from my past i had this period where i was like doubting everything like morality and ethics what do i believe in what do i think is okay and not okay mm. and i remember how painful it was for me to doubt it but then now i'm grateful that i doubted it back then because it made me feel that once i finally decided what i believed in i had a lot stronger sense of belief than i did previously mm. and i don't think that sense of belief would have been as strong if it wasn't because i doubted it so long um and tried like mentally trying to understand why it was correct or why it was incorrect to believe certain things or have certain values and these kind of things. Does that make sense? Yeah, but I want to ask you, so what, what do you believe in and how is that different from before? Um, good question. Very tough to answer for me though, but very good mm -hmm. question. I think um, a lot of what has changed for me is my view upon like the meaning of life uh, what happens when we die, um, what is like possible and not possible in the, in like, in the world, like, uh, religious stuff, mm -hmm. all of that. I went from like, where very early on, I went from being like very atheistic or atheist to sort of having a little bit more open mind to, okay. Like when I got into self-development, there was a little bit of spirituality, or at least like, mm -hmm. you can be more calm if you meditate kind of thing without necessarily having these big beliefs about it uh, or behind it to then going into some more like 
um, more spiritual things. And, and now, now with the books and materials that I've discovered within the last year or feeling called to read in the last year, it's been more and more about like discovering happiness on a deeper level. And, and similar to what you said, like that you're moving away a little bit from the materialistic uh, needs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, like I got a tattoo now on my, on my chest, which is a, a quote that says, be happy all the time without a reason in the world. And then you can do what, what you will and love. And um, for me, what it means is like, whatever is going on in the world, you can choose to be happy as a choice. And, you know, we have all these emotions that are coming and going and all these things, but behind all, like, there's sort of this idea that you can't be happy and sad at the same time, like they're somehow mm. opposing emotions. And for me, like the author, of, and I think what he meant, the author is sort of that you can choose to be happy and then experience sadness, but still underneath it have like this sense of fulfillment and happiness mm. and gratitude, maybe same, like you can have your anger and you're like angry in the moment, but then beneath it is still this sense of, of happiness and relaxedness. And, and, and so I discovered some new books and I enjoyed them greatly because they were sort of pointing in the same direction in the same truth. I felt that, um, there's a place we can rest beneath our emotions so that mm. we are not in the midst of our emotions playing like the victim to our emotions, but rather we are in a place behind, behind that. Um, one of the author, he says, uh, like rest in the seat of self, mm-hmm. which is, he describes it as sort of like as a behind the emotions and all the emotions are happening and the mind is playing its games and, and um, creating its, on unpleasant thoughts and whatnot and behind all of it is where the awareness should be where your mind should be or where your focus should be and and he says like relax through your emotions and and sort of in that method um heal yourself in a sense and the way that he's describing it is so um it's a very, very similar to the Buddhist beliefs that we have these traumas um, or samskaras, as they call them in Buddhism, that are created from like our reactions to whatever is happening, our reaction to our emotions, our reactions to our thoughts and so on. And the teaching of the authors or the guy is called Michael A. Singer. The teachings yeah. of him is sort of, if you can relax behind it, then you will let go of the... Uh, traumas more and more and then you can come to a place where you're more and more resting and more and more happy and more and more um, behind the emotion instead of being the victim to the emotions and is that Um, something like is there a technique to how you relax through the emotions or is it just something like that when you know that you can do it then it becomes easier or how do you Um, I would say both. Um, I would say both. Like, I like to, I play around with myself sometimes, and it's a very, very hard game. Um, He's describing it, and and I think it's very true, and it's also very frustrating to hear 
he's describing it as if it's a choice that we choose to be upset. And I think it's very frustrating to hear because many of us yeah. don't think that we're choosing to be upset, mm-hmm. me included. Like when I get angry, I'm like, yeah, but you know, like I'm pissed off. Like, what? Like I don't choose to be upset. But then um, I do recognize situations where I see that I'm trying to get something out of being upset. I'm yeah. trying to feel self-righteous and trying to justify why the other person is an idiot because they mm-hmm. made me upset. Um, and so there is sort of this like decision-making involved in it, like similar to you, you talked about like uh, before we talked like about children, they're very fast at learning how to like trying to play people or manipulate people to giving them what they want. Yeah. And I remember specifically as being a child, like I found out, I don't know how I found out, but that, I could get more stuff if I was very upset and part of it is like pretending to be upset but then another part of it is actually making myself upset and uh crying you know when I was a kid crying to get my will Mm -hmm. and and I remember back at it now and thinking I actually did increase my own level of distress and sadness and anger and frustration so that I could get a valid reaction from my mom Mm -hmm. and so that's sort of like what's going on and at some level, it's hard for us to to really see because we're so, so trained in it. Like it's so automatic that we don't think that we have a choice. Um, so Michael A. Singer, the author, um, he describes it as we have a choice and that the practice is that every time we lose that battle to ourselves, every time that we, we get upset and we, uh, um, we feed into it and we we sort of feed the emotions and we're like, oh yeah, it's horrible. And we feed the mental loop of why we're upset and all these things or depressed or sad or whatever, mm. you know, emotion you would put in there. Um, he says to relax and um, really to relax yourself through it, uh, relax your body, relax your breathing. So um similar to how like when we're upset our breathing becomes very shallow and we're breathing up here or something Mm. so he says to like relax your breathing and um and the challenge then becomes that um when we experience some very very intense emotions that usually we react one or two ways either we are like reacting to the emotion and like reacting outwards often like if we're angry we're yelling we're screaming um these kind of things. So we have like a reaction out to the world, which further increases our level of distress and like sort of hammers in like that traumatic experience, if you will. And the other, then when we say, okay, we're not going to do that anymore. What we tend to do is we fall into the opposite, which is we suppress the emotion, which sort of like we swallow it and try to push it down. So we don't experience it anymore. Mm. Um, which is also not good because it's still inside of us, inside the mind, inside the body, wherever you want to call that. Um, and so what he says is to allow the experience to happen. Well, I, I guess this is more mine words than, uh, than his because I don't remember the full book, but sort of to allow the experience to happen as it is, mm. allow the body to have its reaction, um, but don't express it out to the world or don't express it in a way that's increasing the, like don't have a toxic reaction to it in a sense hmm. and try to accept the experience in the in the senses so to speak like have like if it's if we're angry there's often like a physical reaction in, included like we have this 
like intense uh, tense feeling in our stomach, for example. So what I found is that when we can sort of accept the physical experience that we're having in that moment, mm-hmm. not trying to suppress it, not trying to avoid it, but really experiencing it and accepting that it's there, um, then we sort of experiencing and then eventually it fades away and it passes away. Mm. Um, and then we have experienced the fullness of what happened without suppressing it, without intensifying it as well. And we sort of had that um, perfect experience of it and then we let it fade away and then it's out of our system again. Yeah. Kind of like when you meditate, you, you acknowledge that the feelings are there without kind of like getting swept away or yeah attaching yeah or without saying like oh don't think about that yeah it's exactly like that exactly like that yeah oh okay well that makes a lot of sense i've never read michael a singer but i've heard a lot of other people talk about things that sounded similar I, I talked about him last time, I think. It was the, yeah, I remember. You could watch the, yeah, the Tony Robbins interview was quite good, I think, with him as well. Oh, yeah, you said that. Yeah, yeah. I haven't had time to, I, I want, it's been a seriously long time since I've watched anything with Tony Robbins. So that <laughs> might be interesting to do. There might be a better argument uh, to include him then. <laughs> no, it's not because I I try to avoid him. It's just like, it's it's been a... I think I, I watched him so much that I just got uh, fit uh, or like I felt like I've heard everything that he had to say, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but actually one of, one of um, one guy that I follow on uh, Instagram just shared a picture of Michael A. Singer's book and I just, I was reminded that he was the guy that you ah, were really? talking about as well. Yeah. Interesting, yeah. Yeah, so I might uh, look into that. I... I use that thing a lot, like you said, with you recognize that from your childhood, um, you had that thing of like becoming upset to get mm. to get something that you wanted, and that can kind yeah. of become this automatic reaction in adulthood. I use that mm. a lot, trying to figure out like where is this coming from, like where, why do I feel this way about this thing? And then just try to go back through my life and like, what situations have I been in? Is this a, a pattern of behavior that I have that repeats itself? And also kind of look for, and that's actually a, a, a Tony Robbins thing, look for where am I being rewarded for this behavior? Because he says that you have basically no behaviors yeah. that you don't get rewarded for. So look for the reward yeah, and you'll find out like, why do you keep doing this? That's uh, so you... good. I forgot that's where I got it. I, yeah, I, I completely <laughs> forgot that it was Tony Robbins that, because I was thinking about that and I was like, where did I get this from? Tony Robbins, yeah, that's where I learned it as well. Yeah. It's actually one of his teachings that I really, really like. I think that's so spot on. I noticed yeah. that for all my negative uh, reactions to things, like there's always like something that I'm getting out of it, even that I... That I, even though I can't think of it, like always something. Yeah. Self-gratification yeah. or like, like you yeah. said, justifying why the other person is an idiot and something like that. Right. Yeah, definitely. But um, you said something that I wanted to, I don't want to interrupt you, but uh, I wanted to uh, touch on what, what do you believe is the meaning of life? 
um, I think I'm, I have some conflicts there because there are some things that I believe in because I feel like I've had so much evidence that it's true, but I feel like internally I'm not fully convinced of it yet. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but truthfully, what I do believe in is that that life is sort of this like weird manifestation of like um, awareness trying to experience itself. I don't mm-hmm. know who said, I think it was Ram Das that said that. And I think that's from, from me trying to understand what's the purpose behind us being created. That's the closest that I found to being like, okay, I think that makes sense. That that seems to be the truest that I found. Mm. Um, but, I, but I, yeah, it's, it's something that I'm still trying to learn and understand and discover. Like I'm still mm. curious about what it could be. That's the closest I've, I would say I've, I've come to finding something that could answer some of it of, of what the purpose is behind existence. I don't know if there is a purpose, but I think part of it is that it's, from my perspective, is that it's perfect and that uh, it unfolds in ways that are not perfect. Like mm. one thing, for example, that uh, you, you would hear some atheists say is like, if there is a God that like an all loving God, well, why would there be so much suffering in the world? Mm. and i thought about yeah that's that's a good point <laughs> like there's got to be some kind of rules that makes it like go away or something mm. and then now where i'm thinking is more that if there is a god i don't i don't believe for a second that i would be able to comprehend um how he is or what he's like like his perspective on things mm. so just the fact that i'm suffering immensely doesn't mean anything about him being loving or not i don't i don't know the meaning behind my suffering um and from my perspective, sure, my suffering is horrible and unpleasant, and I would avoid it at all costs. Mm. And I would hope that people can avoid it generally. Like I would remove the suffering of others if I could. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't see that as an argument that, like, that's just from our perspective. And if there is an ex- perspective that we cannot grasp because we're so limited by our minds, mm. then um, from that perspective, it may very well be that our suffering is very beneficial in some way um and that our suffering is not really that bad because sure we're suffering but then when it ends it ends as well so um my belief is that our perspective is super super limited to our minds and that the greater perspective is is not something we can comprehend with our minds because our minds are like just a brain like it it only understands what it understands only experiencing what or it only understands what it can experience and stuff like that mm. so if there is something much greater than what we can experience then there's no reason to believe we would be able to understand it uh, i heard another one say that you know we talk about god creating human in his picture but when we're talking about god we're trying to create him in our picture and i yeah. think that's so true like when we're describing god we give him all the limitations that we have uh like emotions is probably a very human thing if mm. there is a greater being i don't know if they would experience emotions like we experience them um like happiness anger i don't know if it makes sense to discuss if god would have any of those emotions when we're talking about god we're often trying to push on to him like our picture like our emotions like i don't think it makes sense to discuss the emotions of god because if he's a holy being why would he have emotions emotions are extremely limited to like the human form 
Mm. I, I don't think like also we often discuss love as an emotion, but if we're talking about God, I don't think that comparison makes much sense. Mm. Um, similar to giving him a gender also doesn't make much sense, let alone giving him a physical body and mm. saying he's sitting up in the sky uh, somewhere physically. Yeah, that's why if you remember um, the last time we talked about Jordan Peterson yeah, and religion and how he had uh, made all these videos about the Bible that mm. I really enjoyed. Uh, his uh, idea of God was kind of the same thing that you talk about with consciousness, this uh, Buddhist, I think it's a Buddhist concept, the thing about uh like everything just being consciousness experiencing yeah, itself yeah. and um that's kind of what he thinks that the bible is about as well it's saying that you don't think they mean like a person they mm. mean consciousness and the reason why we are created in his image is because we have consciousness mm. and we are able to create we are participating in the creation of reality in another way than animals, for example, are. Uh, and, and that is kind of his idea of how to make sense of the Bible and uh, the universe and everything is like, um, it's, it's all just like we also because we cannot go outside of consciousness that we are limited to that. So that was, yeah. will always be our only experience. I actually thought about uh, that as well uh, in terms of quantum physics, because we talked a little bit about that last time. Mm -hmm. And then I watched some, I think I watched some Joe Rogan clips where they talked about quantum <laughs> physics as, as well. And nice. I, there was just, I got this idea that from connecting all these things that there's this thing in quantum physics where you cannot really measure anything because the moment where you measure it, it changes. Yeah, And so the act of measuring something changes the thing. And so you will never know what it was before you measured it. Yeah. Uh, you can only know kind of the, the, the field of possibilities of what it might have been before you measured it. Mm. And I was, I think actually it was when I was trying to fall asleep, I was kind of thinking about that and I was thinking, well, that kind of makes really good sense just on like a basic level that, you know, uh, if, if I do anything, if I touch this microphone and now the reality is different than it was before I touched it. Right. Mm. And if it's all like this one connected, uh, tissue or whatever you want to call it, then anything that happens within that changes everything in yeah. the universe and it kind of dawned on me that or i got this thought that it was freaked me out i was like what what if it's because what we're measuring is not like the universe what we're measuring is reality and reality is not objective reality is what we experience it's this um uh, what can you say like this this uh, veil that we have pulled down over our eyes because of our brain that is reality and we cannot measure beyond that 
because we can't we can't experience it so how can you measure something that you can't experience right uh, and it was just, it really freaked me out. Uh, I was kind of laying in bed thinking about all of this. And I was like, oh my God, we're in like the matrix. It's it's all just a an illusion. And that's like science is an illusion because we're only measuring this made up reality that is made up by our minds. And that's why in quantum physics, it seems like when you measure something, it changes. It's because what you're measuring is actually your own like perceived reality. Oh, I have a hard time explaining this. <laughs> but yeah, it was, um, I kind of connected uh, some of those things and was like, wow, it, it actually makes sense. That, that notion that when you measure something, it changes um, more than on just like a weird mathematical level. I lost you in the end of, in the very end of what you were saying yeah i th- yeah, actually complicated yeah at the end i actually just said that i had a really hard time explaining uh my thoughts about it but but i i just i got this notion but is it sort of is it sort of that you know if something is from this world how could you measure something that's beyond it with yeah yeah or or like what we call this world or what we call reality is just what our minds allow us to experience and what if mm. we cannot measure beyond that you know it's time it's kind of we think that that's what we're doing when we're like doing science that we are going beyond our own like limitations and measuring and with math we can kind of calculate everything yeah but what if that is just another illusion like what what if we're only able to measure this illusion that we're experiencing that we call reality and we cannot measure beyond that it's that was just kind of like a thought that i got because of the quantum physics thing that if you measure something yeah it (laughs) it might be but but it's really freaky to think about yeah because it's just like you then you have absolutely no clue about what's actually going on if anything is going on like yeah might not be anything else going on we might just all be dreaming and there's nothing beyond that yeah <laughs> so yeah so it i is super sleep. freaky to think about yeah. as well yeah <laughs> it's one of those things where you feel like oh like uncomfortable thinking about it yeah because it, it, it kind of breaks the whole fabric of how you understand the so world. True. Yeah, <laughs> and, and understand yours and like the, the, yeah. It's when you get into those kind of things that you can really start feeling like having, um, like having changes of heart, I think, about what the meaning of life is and stuff like that. When you yeah. kind of look at things from that perspective and try and like, take a step back and look at okay there's all of these things about career and like all of these things that we want to do but if we want to take a step back and just think about life and reality and consciousness and stuff like that it gets really freaky (laughs) really quickly i think it feels like like yeah it's like almost psychedelic experience thinking just thinking about it like those kind of things it's like yeah yeah 
Yeah, let's talk about psychedelic experiences because we came to that last time and we had to we kind did. of stop. Uh, but that's what I really am interested in hearing about. So just to preface this, um, we talked a little bit about it last time and I said that I was interested uh, in having such an experience myself but hadn't mm. done it yet. I still haven't. <laughs> but um, uh, I've been reading about it and listening to a lot of different like interviews and um, and I think it's very interesting and I really want to hear about your experiences and if we could kind of start from the beginning of when did you get interested in it and why? Mm, okay. I think it, for me, it started probably, I want to say like nine, eight, eight, nine years ago. I had a roommate that was like super scientific, super clever guy. And, um, and he was the most hesitant person I've ever known. Like in Denmark, we drink when we were like 14 years old. He didn't touch alcohol, I think, until he was like 17 years old or something. Mm. Um, and let alone like smoking and all that, he doesn't, does none of it. Um, so he showed me, I think on Netflix, like a documentary. I can't remember the name of it, but it was about uh, DMT, mm -hmm. um, which is the active drug in ayahuasca. And is something that is in... Uh, all beings, I believe, actually. Uh, it's in humans, in animals, and this kind of thing. And he showed me this video where they talk about it, and they and it sort of changed my perspective from being like, drugs are bad, to being like, okay, this is interesting, valid scientists that are talking about uh, the benefits of it, benefits towards like um, depression and stuff like that, as well as the overall experience and how it sort of arguably reveals the possibility of other dimension and, and other things than what we know about like life. Mm. So I just found that super fascinating. I thought, okay, this is something I'm very interested in, like with I'm a quite curious person. So naturally I was like super curious when I saw that ever since then, I wanted to do it. Um, when I was like probably two years later, when I was like 20, 21, I bought like a bottle, like, if anyone has tried to do ayahuasca you take like very very little you take like like a standard like shot of two centiliters or something like that i ordered like a bottle of like one liter or something from peru to be sent to me in denmark and Whoa. i was like i don't know i don't know how i'm gonna do this but i wanted to experience this and i was tired of life and i just wanted to experience what this was about and hoping that it would give me some you know experience that would change my life and luckily, my sister, she, I told her that I was doing it. And she said to me, like, well, Ma, I don't know what, I don't know anything about the drug. Probably a super bad idea. But at the very least, it's dangerous because the police can catch you importing it to Denmark, which is super illegal. And at best, you'll get a huge fine. Mm -hmm. I thought, okay, she's right. I'm going to wait and I'm going to do it in Peru instead. It's better, it's safer and all this stuff. Um. I didn't consider it like a lot after because I thought it's one of those things. I know I'm going to do it. I don't know when and I don't want to rush it. Uh, luckily, I got a little bit more mature and I started thinking, okay, there are some experiences that I shouldn't like rush and push uh, to experience. And I thought this is one of them because I have a tendency to throw myself into things. Yeah. Um, so I went to South America to travel, uh, really to learn Spanish and to experience another continent. Uh, and to try to travel a little bit alone. 
And as I was traveling around, I thought, okay, I don't usually take breaks from work, but around New Year's, it's not as busy. And I would like to take some break. So I'll take a break around New Year's Eve. And I didn't know what to do. Um, I just thought I'm not going to do the standard thing of just going to a party and get shit-faced. I want to try to start my year like in a more productive, uh, healthy, in, in, like inspiring way. Mm. And I thought, okay, that actually it fits perfect. Then I can travel to Peru. Uh, I didn't plan on going there, but I thought, okay, it fits in. Then I can go to Peru and I can finally have this experience that I've been wanting to have. And I thought, okay, perfect. Let me see if I can find a place. And I was searching and I couldn't find anything. And for me, I believe a little bit in the stuff like they say, uh, I guess it's called science. I can't remember like um, synchronicity, some people call it, when you experience something and it's like uh, connecting to something. Mm. I was searching for a place and I find this place that are, my criteria were that I need someone that speaks English because my Spanish was shit. Mm. I need some place where it's somewhat safe. Like I have some sense of they know what they're doing. Yeah. I want them to also do it for the right reasons because I know a lot of people in Peru are now doing it because it's so popular for tourists. Yeah. Um, and I didn't want to be in that situation where I feel like they just want to make money off me because mm. then I don't trust how they're taking care of me when I'm on it. Um, and I found somehow a Facebook site and their picture, one of the pictures that they uploaded was the same picture that I had uploaded for my YouTube channel. And I thought, oh, this is, there's a link here. Yeah. Wow. Um, so I contact them and they send me like this super nice brochure in English. And they have like a medical person that will go on the trip with us to the rainforest. Mm. And they have like a, um, like a psychologist or something um, that will also go and facilitate it. And I thought, okay, this is like everything that I wanted. They speak English, everything. Mm. And they have like that exact period that I wanted to go, like exactly, uh, which was quite hard to find. So I contact them and they say, ah, yeah, you can, we can do it. It's fine. We have room for you. And I thought, okay, the other criteria that I had is that I want to find someone I can meet in person, which is a challenge because I wanted the retreat to be in the rainforest, which is like far away from the city. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to go all the way to the rainforest before, but I also wanted to meet them in person. Uh, and I asked them and they said, you can actually come. We have like a place in Lima as well. You can meet the facilitator and everyone. And then the day before I go to Peru, I haven't talked with them in three weeks. Uh, and I'm thinking, okay, actually I should hit them up because I'm going like tomorrow to Peru and I'm planning on seeing them. I don't have a lot of time to see them because I'm also working. It would be perfect if I can see them tomorrow. And then I get a message before I write them and I haven't talked with them for three weeks and they tell me, oh, hey, Valdemar, if you're still interested, we offer 30% off right now. And I message them like, oh, hey, can I come meet you? And they're like, yeah, if you want to, then tomorrow the shaman will actually be in the city as well, even though he lives in the rainforest and you can meet the whole team. And it was just like one of those things Holy where it fell together, together perfectly. So I thought, okay, yeah. this is a sign that I'm supposed to go there and meet them. Yeah. And I go and luckily I feel like super comfortable with everyone. Like everyone was super kind and speaking English and, and I just felt super comfortable. And I was like, okay, this is, this is everything that I wanted. It was perfect. Mm. Um, so fast forward some weeks and I'm, we're taking this trip. It's like nine hour, like we fly first to another city. Then we take the boat up the Amazon river in the uh, rainforest like nine hours straight like a super small boat 
and we get to this like tiny village with like maybe 200 people or something on the river um and they build this like there's their son he's like 20 years old or something he built like this entire like structure for like the um i can't remember the the name that they use is like a tippy like a, a tilt you know yeah yeah uh, that they built for like which is very normal for like the ceremonies yeah. and they build like huts for everyone to sleep in and all these things like a 20 year old uh son of the shaman who built everything by his hand and i'm like super impressed yeah um wow. so we get there we are going to be there for seven days uh four nights we'll drink ayahuasca we'll have some other stuff and for them it's like a little bit of a religion in a sense so they have some very specific specific rules that was like super strange to me and super strange i think to most people when they hear about it um so we have to go on some specific like diet to -hmm. help us like clean the body and heal the body and one of those things for the diet is that you shouldn't touch stuff that um sort of makes you unclean or uh interrupts like the energy of the body Mm -hmm. and so we weren't allowed to use like any type of soap soap uh very specific things like chemicals anything like that we could not touch Mm. and so we're in this like super tiny village with like not the cleanest facilities and we can't wash our hands or wash our clothes or anything like that i was super uncomfortable um and the first thing one of the first things that he says to us like we have a quick meet and greet and he says to us okay tonight when you go to sleep um, be very, very mindful of your dreams because we're in the jungle now and the jungle will communicate to you through your dreams. So your dreams will be different than they usually are. And you should be aware of them because there's something in them that you should learn from. And so that night I go to sleep and I have the most like visual and intense dreams that I've probably ever had. Like it was super intense. I had dreams about my ex-girlfriends, my, my father, and like family and and all these weird dreams and one of the dreams that i had was about one of the other participants uh in the trip and this guy i talked with him for less than five minutes he didn't speak english i didn't speak spanish he just made some like gestures to me and we smiled like haha yeah, yeah um and in the dream he was he was taking ayahuasca but he was like smoking it which you, you drink it usually but he was like smoking it and he was just hitting it hitting it hitting it and I was like panicking because I was like, man, you're taking way too much. Stop, stop, stop. It's too much. It's too much. And then suddenly he just gets super drugged and super fucked up. And like it's it's ending super bad everything. And so the day after I wake up and I tell the facilitator, I tell him, I had this dream and I want to talk with you about it. And we go over all the dreams. And when it comes to this dream, I tell him like, yeah, I saw this person. He was sort of trying to overdose on the ayahuasca. And, he tells, and then he tells me, Actually, it's funny you had that dream because the person that you dreamed about, he's here because he has a drug addiction and he's trying to cure it. And so that's the reason wow. why you saw the dream that he was like trying to overdose and everything. And that's wild. for me, that was a very crazy experience because it's sort of the first ones that I had similar to that. Hmm. Um, okay, so fast forward to a couple of days later, or I think the same night, maybe even. Um, this is the first time we're supposed to take the ayahuasca. And um, the whole, the way that they set it up is we have to wait until, until like evening time, nighttime, the sun is down. And we go into this like uh, Tibi with, we were quite large groups. So we were probably like 20, 25 people. Um, 
but we had four shamans. So we had usually probably you would only do it with like one or two shamans. We had four shamans quite a lot. Um, and we sit like around in the circle around the tippy uh, on like a pillow and stuff. And the way that it works is like the shamans, they prepare the drink and then they offer it to one of, of the participants at the time. And after all the participants had gone off one at a time, then the shamans, they would drink it. And then we sort of sit and we wait for the effect to kick in. Um, or as, as they would say, they wait for the energy to open up. And when the energy is opened up, then the shamans, they start singing uh, to initiate sort of the, the experience, the ceremony and the trip. Um, and next to me is sitting a girl that I was friends, sort of becoming friends with. And she speaks English and not many people did. I was the only, only English speaking person there. Uh, she, so she translates to me what the facilitator is saying. And he's, and he's saying like, I thought I hear him say, it's going to take one hour, one and a half hours before it kicks in and you feel it. But then she tells me, yeah, it's going to take 15 minutes and then you feel it. So I was sitting there. I was like, come on, come on. I'm not feeling anything. I said, I'm doing something wrong and yeah. sort of panicking. And then finally, I sort of feel this uh, experience of sort of drifting a little bit away, having these like visual thoughts and sort of experiencing my thoughts in a very, very intense way. Um, I was going through like previous memories of like my past relationship and I was like crying intensely uh, as I was experiencing all of it. It was like I was re-experiencing the loss of, of losing my ex-girlfriend mm. and um, really, really experiencing like it was happening right now. Then I was experiencing like grief with my parents, my relationships and stuff like that. But overall, I didn't feel like I, I really got like that deep into it. And I talked with them the day after and they tell me, ah, yeah, but you know, you have to learn how to work with the medicine hmm. and i remember I, i'm thinking I, I got a little bit annoyed like like sort of like oh I, like i don't know how to work with it. i'm just taking it and then that's it like i've meditated before i should be fine like i, I thought it was just some bullshit that they told me but then they told me also that the trip is not as much the ayahuasca as it's the the shamans like the shaman songs or the um guidance to the trip itself mm. um and so they told me that for the next ceremony focus on the singing of the shamans and let that be your guide to the trip mm. so in the next ceremony um we sit down and we do the ceremony again we sit and we wait everyone take one shot and then we go back to our seat i asked them to give me a little bit more because for the first trip i was very like conservative i didn't want to take too much to avoid any issues or anything and when i sort of had experienced that i wasn't dying it sort of made me think okay i can take a little bit more mm. that was my voice here was was dying for the first trip um <laughs> i was actually quite paranoid about it um i got imagine so then, yeah uh, also <laughs> i saw one documentary on netflix where there is like one person that's actually dying in the documentary i'm like shit whoa yeah. Wow. Um, okay, but then the second ceremony, we're sitting there, we take the ayahuasca, take a little bit more than last time, we go and we sit down. And in this time where we're sitting down, like there's no one talking, it's just like very, very quiet because people are sort of in their own experience and, and really waiting for the uh, shamans to initiate the ceremony. And in this time, for me at least, there was a little bit of time 
where I started feeling the effect before the shamans, they started singing. And in this time, it was very weird that I was sort of like in this place of nothing. Like when you're going through the trip, mm -hmm. usually it's, it's very recommended at least that you have your eyes closed because the visuals is not, you can have visuals like outside as well, but it's like an internal experience. Mm -hmm. So I even had like a, um, what do you call it? Like an eye band or something like to cover my yeah. eyes. Yeah. So that I would just have my eyes closed and I could focus on myself. And it was weird to experience, but like this sort of, when I had my eyes closed, it was literally like I was sitting in the middle of nothing. Like I was just sitting in empty space with blackness all around me, just in a black Whoa. sort of nothingness. Uh, there was nothing beneath me, nothing above me, nothing around me, just empty. And, and it was very, very beautiful. Then when the shamans, they started singing, it, it was lighting up the entire room inside my head. It's like a, a visually inside my head. I could see the location where the singing was coming from. Mm -hmm. And the singing was sort of this rainbow colored spiral that was turning and going like upwards in a spiral, wow. like of all colors, like incredibly beautiful and colorful. And as it was going up, it was like lighting up everything around it. And I felt like, suddenly the nothingness was gone and there was like a warmth like a warm sensation mm. and the shamans we had four shamans and uh, i thought it was a joke at first they told me that the shamans they're singing uh their own songs so they're not singing like different song uh independently of each other and the songs <laughs> that they're singing is when you first hear it, it sounds like people screaming. Some of them is, uh, I thought it was horrible. But then as you as you experience it, and if you have pleasant experiences, probably, uh, then the songs become quite enjoyable, actually. And um, for me, and what the other people also told me is that when you experience, when you focus in on it, you can sort of focus in on one song and then it's like the others, they sort of fade into the background and you don't experience them. And I remember feeling that when the effects started kicking in, it was almost as if my, like if, if we imagined like my mind was like spinning around when it was working, like a disc or something, mm -hmm. it started spinning like a thousand times faster. And I could feel like it was heating up almost like a computer that was like, like overclocking or something, you know, uh, really felt like it was spinning. And as, as, as it was like spinning and intensifying, it felt like my ability to focus was a thousand X as well. And everything mm -hmm. that I would focus on, it was sort of my mind was sort of zooming in and expanding it almost like a microscope. Um, so this is what I was experiencing as I was focusing on the on the singing of the shamans my mind was sort of drifting into it and i would describe it as very similar to the meditation process um mm -hmm. at least when you have like a very good experience where it's sort of like you have to it's not that you have to like concentrate about on something but more that you have to relax yourself to let the rest of the world drift away from what mm. you're really trying to focus on, if that makes mm. sense. Mm. And as I was doing that, I was like, really like, it was like, you were just scroll, like when you zoom on your computer, you're scrolling into something. It's really like, it was just like expanding and like zooming in, zooming in, zooming in. Um, 
And as I was zooming in, eventually I got to this place where I was sort of seeing like, I don't know how to describe it, if I would describe it as universe or as worlds, but it was sort of like, I could see this like almost screen of like different worlds that was like spinning around each other with like, they were like divided in the middle, like almost like with a plus sign. And then you had one here, one here, one here, one here. And then they were sort of like spinning around. Yeah. And it's not that I really could choose anything, but it was more that I was sort of like fading into one of them. And as I was fading into one of them, there are some parts of this that I don't fully remember. And then some other parts that I remember quite fully. Mm. Um, it did feel like I had to let my brain go away so that I could experience things. And the more I used my brain, the less I could actually experience. Mm. Um, but as I was zooming in, as I remember, I was meeting a guide and um, the people that experience shaman, they often, or ayahuasca, they often refer to it as like a female spirit guide, sort of. Uh, mm -hmm. They always give her the, the gender of the female. Um, and I sort of remember experiencing and understanding why in that moment and experiencing it as, as a snake, which they often also refer to uh, because the vine of ayahuasca is like a vine that's spinning around. So uh, it's often symbolized by the snake. And I remember meeting this green snake female spirit that sort of was guiding me. And as I was zooming in more and more, the next thing was that I got to a place with blackness and then some green gates, like neon colored green, that was opening for me, uh, sort of in a sense to invite me in, I guess. Mm -hmm. And as I drift further into that, I suddenly end up and in the moment it was not uncomfortable but after thinking back to it it was super uncomfortable for me because it was so uh confrontational to my idea of the world before um i experienced being in a different um place altogether like a place where i, I would not be able to say i would not be able to give the place any similarities to the to this world that i know now like from this world to that world there was very very few things that would be the same um, I was in the space of that there didn't exist like physical space. So like how I can say like I'm sitting here and there is a place in front of me as well and a place behind me and above me and below me. Like that was not something that existed there. There wasn't like three dimensions. Mm. And I just experienced like encountering these beings that just appeared in front of me that were sort of like dragon-ish, snake-ish bodies um they were like spinning around and i remember them being extremely extremely powerful uh like extremely powerful and they weren't good or bad but they were in a sense like very um prideful mm -hmm. like a cat almost and yeah. with the sense of you don't want to fuck with them yeah because they don't mind fucking you up but also they don't feel like they have to like they, no. it's not they don't want to fuck you up but they also don't mind if they have to in this like it's a weird sense like that so um, when you and, when uh when you say that they were powerful that was kind of that was a vibe that you were getting that these creatures or beings are like i should not like you said fuck with them they are or how yeah, did you experience like, them being powerful? I guess a little bit similar, like when you see a cat that's walking like confidently mm -hmm. and it, it's like, 
a little bit like an arrogance, but not entirely arrogance. It's more like it it's not concerned about you. Yeah. Uh, they were a little bit in the same, and I, it's a powerfulness. I don't know how to describe it, and I'm not sure how I would know it, mm. but it was just a sense of like, you like just it's knew. like, uh, yeah, like this is this is wide, and you would ask me why is it wide? I don't know. It's just I can just see it's wide. I could yeah. just experience that they were powerful, and I like I I wouldn't know why. I would have mm. no clue why because I didn't see them performing or anything like that. It was more stuff. They just appeared and. It wasn't that they were like extremely welcoming or anything. It was, and they knew that I was there. And it was sort of as if they were just accepting and saying, okay, he's here. He can experience our world. It's okay. And they were, uh, they, they couldn't care less really. Uh, they, like they didn't mind, but they also like, it didn't matter to them neither. And I remember one or two, wow. of, I remember two or three of them appearing and then going away again and i wouldn't know how to describe where they appeared because it was like they were just there in front of me in a weird sense and it was the strangest thing and i thought about it a lot because i remember experiencing that moment that it was so real that there's no doubt in my mind that it was real like it's like if you're saying to me are you sleeping and i would say i'm not sleeping i'm quite awake right now this is the real world. And you would say, how do you know? And I would say, I, ju I just know. Yeah. Um, it was the same exact feeling. And because I've been thinking a lot in my mind, like how would I be able to describe if what I saw was true or not? Mm. And I, I would say, I, I just knew that it was. Um, and I couldn't really, I remember trying to understand it with my mind, mm. what it was that I was experiencing. Because I wanted to like, okay, is it this? Is it that? Is it, what is it? while and you I were experiencing it or afterwards yeah it, a, a little bit while but i but then it, it quickly appeared to me that the more i was trying to understand it with my mind it i it like my using my mind took me away from it like it was my awareness was not where it should be when mm. i was trying to use my mind to understand it mm. um and in that place as well like time didn't exist at all i i I, I, for, I forgot about time in the sense that I, so I could, I could try to understand it with my mind, even though I was unable to understand it. Mm. Um, and then I could go back to it a little bit, but I like thoughts like time and will this experience go away? That was not something that I could think about at the same time. Like it was not something that, could, that I had any focus on or any awareness of, like it didn't exist to me in that moment. Mm. And, um, uh, yeah, I don't think I don't know if I experienced much more in that sense. Uh, I remember then, I I knew that I didn't understand what it was that I was experiencing. Mm. Uh, I just knew I I don't know what this is. I know that this is a world, and I was completely blown away by it. I was like so shocked with the fact that I was there. I was like, wow, this exists. Like mm. this is a, a a place. I like some place, dimension, whatever. Like I was completely blown away by it mm. and um, I had no clue what it was that it was like, I didn't understand it at all. Um, and then I, some people, they say, you can talk with the spirit of ayahuasca and ask a question and she will help. So I asked her, please help me understand this. Like, how can, please help me understand this better. And 
uh, I just didn't get anything. At the same time, I, I started feeling, I knew that I had this pain in my stomach, which usually you puke for the ayahuasca trip. Mm-hmm. I puked already before that, but I, I felt this like pain. I puked almost all trips. I felt this pain in my stomach and it's like this energy, like every energy feels weird. Uh, when I was puking, it felt like I was puking into nothingness. And I remember just being scared if I puked on myself because I knew logically I have a bucket in my hand, but I cannot sense if I'm puking into the bucket. Yeah. Or it, was, it felt like it went straight through the bucket into like a black hole. And I was like, I hope I don't wake up with puke on my lap. Yeah. Um, so there was like a weird sense of being like, on ayahuasca while still having like logical thoughts as well yeah so you kind of um, you know you know that right now you're inside of this experience but there is a, a real world outside yeah. as well that you're trying to kind of make sense of uh, where you are and what's happening out yeah. in the real world but it's sort of it's sort of like uh, like you forget about you have the ability to drift, I would say. And so it's almost like I know that the world is here. Mm. And if I relax my thoughts, I, I will completely forget about it. In two seconds, I'll forget mm. about the world around me. But if I need to, I can come back to it. Yeah. And so while in, let's say, in the ayahuasca world, I have this pain in my stomach and I'm thinking, okay, the pain is holding me back from drifting further into it because it's like physically um, making me aware of my body in a sense. And I feel like I need to drift away completely from myself to be able to experience it to the fullness I can. Mm. Uh, so I come back to my body. I look next to the girl that I was in this, next to. I remember just seeing like a, her spirit. And I remember, I remember actually, I'll go to that after, after the, uh, I described the, the full trip. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing like this green colored, um, almost like elephant head with like this long nose and like these like things that are going out here with like eyes everywhere. There was like eyes on it, like on the nose, there was eyes, almost like, a, yeah, like I think they're in Hinduism, I imagine they had some like gods with like a lot of eyes on them. And uh, like it had all these eyes and it was like, wow, this is beautiful. And I remember just thinking, okay, I, I can't wait for the, for when I'm finished to tell her how beautiful her spirit is, because I was mm. like, this is so beautiful. And I was so frustrated, I couldn't see my own. Um, I come back to my body and I realized, okay, I have this like thing tying me down in my stomach. I need to get out of it. So I come up with the idea that I need to go talk with the facilitator who's across the room because he can, <laughs> this is what I thought, he can sing to me. And when he sings to me, I can, he can trigger it to come out of me with his singing. So I need to go over so he can sing to me so I can puke, so I can go back and have the full trip. That was my plan. (laughs) And so I tried to go up and take a few steps into like the center of the tibby. And I just thought like, whoa, I'm completely like unable to stand on my legs. And I fall to Mm. the ground and I'm sitting there in the center and I'm looking around trying to find him with like, because everything is so dark and everything is moving and spinning. Yeah. And his brother comes up to me and I'm like, oh shit, because I get super scared of him because he has this like long hair and he's like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm just, I'm trying to find Max. Can you help me? I have this in my stomach. And so he takes me to the shaman instead and uh, tells him that I have something in my stomach. And when he looks at me, the brother of the facilitator, 
he has a quite like long face and I look at him and his face turns into this, <laughs> this like demon face with the oh mouth just opening God. up like it's trying to eat me. <laughs> and I just start laughing because I know that it's like, I know that it's hallucination and it's not real. Yeah. And it looks so scary, like my body is jumping back. Um, and I just can't, I can't stop smiling and laugh. And then, um, then the shaman, he tells me, this was the shaman's son, uh, who was also developed to be a shaman, he tells me to lay down and he will uh, suck the uh, energy, the energy that's holding me down, he'll suck it out of my stomach and then he'll puke it out for me. And so he lays me down on my stomach and they do, it's quite normal procedure that they do. They, he pours some like very specific, like alcoholic um, perfume water onto my stomach. And he's like massaging it with his mouth and, and starts sucking it and, and, and doing these things. And then he goes over and he pukes it out. And as he does that, I feel actually that the, the trip intensity goes down and like, I don't feel, mm. I feel the high anymore um, mm. as much. And I start laughing because it feels so funny when he's like, uh, <laughs> Sucking your stomach, stomach. <laughs> and I think also I, I farted because he was putting pressure on my stomach, and then I fart, and then I start laughing even more. Um, so Holy I go shit. back, I go back to the, my my spot, and I sit, and I sort of wait for the for the rest of the thing to be over, and I just relax. And then after, when I talk with the girl, um, which is such a weird thing, I asked her do you know what your spirit looks like? Because she, she's done so much ayahuasca and she told me about the places she would travel and these kind of things. And then, and I think she told me that it was the face of an elephant. And I think she did say that there was a lot of eyes on the nose or something like that. Whoa. I just remember that the description she gave me, uh, especially with it being an elephant, I was like super surprised by how accurate it was to what I actually had seen as well. Yeah. Um, I was really surprised by that. Uh, I wish I remembered it in more details, actually. Um, I think it's uh, it's pretty detailed description yeah. you've given so far. Now, I don't know what it was actually like, but I'm surprised that uh, that you can actually remember this much. It sounds amazing. Yeah, one like, thing I would say, actually, when I came down from it again, was that I thought to myself, Going into it, I always told myself, oh, there's stuff that I want to heal with myself. Mm. Um, I think in the back of my mind, I always knew that I had a severe, intense curiosity surrounding, like, experiencing everything. Like, like mm. I was always curious about aliens and these kind of things. Yeah. And I think a large part of me wanting to do ayahuasca in reality was that I was super curious about experiencing something otherworldly. Yeah. Um, and I think small portion of me was a little bit disappointed in myself and being like, okay, I experienced this really intense and amazing thing. Mm. What did I take out of, like, what could I take away from it? Yeah. Now I would say probably my takeaway was an openness to what is actually in this world and, and, and the meaning of the world and all of that mm. spiritual beliefs and so on. But I remember thinking, I, I don't know what created me specifically, but I was created as a human being for a reason. And I traveled to a place where I, I was intentionally not created in that place. I was not created as one of the dragon entities that I met. Mm -hmm. I was created as a human being. 
And I trust that whatever created me did so intentionally. And so me going to try to get into this other world is almost disrespectful to the world that they created me in. And, and what's the real purpose behind it? Like, yeah, it didn't make much sense to me. Um, that being said, there is definitely a part of me that wants to experience something like that again, you know? Mm. Um, but I told myself, okay, for the next trip, I'm going to focus on, on healing and learning mm. stuff that I can use in this world here where I'm living. Yeah. Yeah. So these were, <clears throat> this was your first two trips on ayahuasca. Yeah. I have some questions before, before okay. we move on. Um, yeah, hit me. So hit me. it sounds to me like the first one that you were kind of a little bit disappointed with, uh, it sounds like that was like you were actually uh, like tackling some real traumas there where it sounds more like in this uh, second one, it was kind of like this very interesting experience of experience and all of these things that somehow you are able to experience in your mind um but it mm. it sounds like the first one was actually going through some shit that you've gone through in your life and kind of but did you feel like it was useful at all or was it just uncomfortable um i wouldn't say it was uncomfortable like the, uh the first time because i had these like like my first thought was like oh i feel so sick i'm about to puke something mm. is wrong and then i realized that wait, they tell you that you're supposed to feel sick and puke before the trip starts and kicks in. Mm. And then I just started cracking up with like the fact that I felt like shit and I needed to puke. <laughs> As well, in the first trip, I had, I would say, I didn't feel as it was as intense in the sense that right now I could think back to sad times in my life and it could make, it would make me sad. I would, I could yeah. re-experience in my mind the sadness of, Uh, losing a loved one losing my ex-girlfriends and stuff mm. and it would it would make me sad like i would experience the grief of 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 losing her mm. but on ayahuasca it was just very intense and there was more memories that that i sort of could experience it wasn't obvious to me at the time if it was actually healing me or just sort of like uh, visually experiencing it more intensified yeah um so i'm not sure if it was that healing When I cried, I cried very intensely, and then I started laughing like insanely as well because I was. It was so weird to me that I was sitting in this weird like tent um, with this shaman singing, and here I was thinking about my ex girlfriend and crying hysterically. Yeah, and then I was just like, "This is so absurd," and I started laughing like crazy. Um, Do you feel yeah. um, euphoria? When you uh, like, like, does it make you feel like laughing, for example, or do you get like overly happy, or do you get feelings like that, like you could do on on other drugs, or um, probably, I I would say it hundred percent depends on the person and the set and the setting and the situation and where mm. they are in in and and what their focus are on and and stuff like that. Mm. Uh, I've heard about everyone having like people that just would not stop crying and people that would not stop laughing yeah um in that particular experience it was rather enjoyable for me i think it, it was quite funny on the second one it it was so funny to me when i saw the guy uh with the demon face 
Yeah. And it was weird to me because I realized how how scared that would have made me. But I guess that was the third trip was completely different and it, it was um probably one of the top three most painful, horrible experiences of my life, if not the most horrible experience of my life. Wow. Um let's let's I just want to uh, still wait a little bit before continuing because I I um I thought it was really interesting to hear about these past two and I don't want to like miss the chance to ask questions. So yeah, yeah. Um. So what when you look back on that experience you had with meeting these dragon uh, beings mm-hmm. uh, today, do you feel like today that that was something real that you experienced like you were in another place where they were and that was a real thing and they are Mm. still there like if you understand what i mean like there is a place where they are and where they live and that you cannot access uh, normally is that how you think about it now or do you think about like you were fucked up by this ayahuasca thing and you saw these weird things and like or how do you view it now? I it's super hard for me to answer that question because yeah. the day after I I just remember feeling immensely uncomfortable with the fact that it could be a different assuming that it was a real experience, it was a real place and all that. Mm. Um when I thought about that the day after, it made me super uncomfortable because it made me feel so uncertain like ridiculously uncertain and it made me really uncomfortable that was the reason why my third trip and we can talk about that later was was so horrible was because Mm. it triggered this intense intense fear inside of me because if that exists then i don't know anything and there's everything that i place certainty in like Mm. how can i i cannot place any certainty in anything anymore Mm. Uh, so it would made me like it made me immensely uncertain i was talking with the facilitator he was trying to explain to me his perspective uh, with the place that I went to and I had a hard time agreeing with him and I, and I, uh, and I rationalized what it could be mm. um, in the sense of it not being a real experience. What I would say is that when I was there, it, it was just as real, if not more real than, it was just as real as the, the, the experience that I'm having right now mm. and being there, it was not a suddenly I'm here. It was more like, I would say it was closer to uh, remembering that this place exists in a sense. Um, or that so this what, is also a reality. Yeah. It, it, it was, I, I, there was, there was no doubt in me that it was a real experience. It was not. Yeah. As, again, like similar to how I know this is a real experience in the same sense. I knew at that time it was a real experience. Mm. Um, similar to when you're waking up in the morning from a dream you're like oh okay i'm i'm back to normal life now that was just a dream um almost in the same sense that i experienced when i drifted into it like suddenly i'm i'm here this is a this is a place like there was i would say this the experience i would not compare it to dreaming because it was so significantly different than when you're suddenly in a in a dream with this like weird things mm. it wasn't like that at all it was like this is a, a real real thing if yeah. that makes sense 
I I think so. I've heard stories like that before, and uh, and and that is one of the things that I find very interesting that um, that you can kind of leave with the sense of um, of what is reality, right? If if that can feel so real. And it's so yeah. vastly different from your normal reality. Then how how can you know that it, it that it isn't real if if uh, if it feels just as real and like and what is real and yeah. all of that uh, and I like diving into like I I like that on on it makes me uncomfortable as well. Like I said, I couldn't sleep when I started thinking about all that stuff. Yeah. But I still like. Uh, exploring those things that makes me uncomfortable and makes me yeah, uncertain same. about what the fuck is going on here in this life. I think it's so interesting and it's in some way it gives me a gratitude for life that I think it's so interesting. It, it gives me this sense of, of, uh, of life being magical in some way that it's so, yeah. it's so incredibly interesting because of all of these things that we cannot understand and because of because of this uncertainty even though it feels really uncomfortable that you can't be certain about what is real or not it just it's interesting and i like that i like that life is fascinating and interesting more than i would like it to be boring and everything is like you think it is and like there's no mystery yeah, same. or oh uh, yeah, yeah, so so I, I I think it's that's really fascinating. There was another question that I wanted to ans- ask you about that second trip that I don't remember right now. So um, so yeah, maybe we should just uh, move on to the most horrible experience of your life. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. Leading up to that experience, mm-hmm. I had talked with the facilitator, like what could what could be the meaning of like of the second trip. He told me the meaning, the place where you got to is like where things are created. The beings that you experience are energy and they are not good and bad because like similar to, or he explained it this way, like similar when you have a traumatic experience in the shamanic world, that would be like a negative or a dark spirit, let's say, let's call it dark spirit. And then there mm. are positive, like um, bright spirits that are positive and pleasant and all this. And the dark spirits are very, very unpleasant. They, they appear to be evil. Mm. So he said the place I went was where I could experience those uh, energies. I could visual, visually see them. I could meet them. And he said to me, they are not good or bad. Even the ones that are appearing to be evil, they are evil because they are a traumatic experience that are craving our acceptance, our love, and our um, attention. Mm. And when they're being fed this love and attention and, and um, acceptance, then they will turn into like a bright, shining, uh, beautiful, positive spirit instead of the evil one. And mm. he said, so, so they all serve their purposes and none of them are evil and none of them are positive. And he told me that's the reason why I experienced that they were powerful because they are immensely powerful, but they're not good or bad. They're just what they are. And mm. um, all of them are loving in a sense. That was his explanation. So the reason I bring that up is because it, in a sense, 
I lost your audio now. Did we lose you? Um, can you hear me? I can hear. Can you hear me? Yeah. So I, I just, uh, you just said that that was why you brought up uh, the explanation from the facilitator and then you were cut off. So the reason I brought it up was because after that experience, I had, I had, I had, I really felt uncomfortable because I was like, if this is real, I don't know what, like, I don't know anything. And it made me super uncomfortable doubting myself and, I felt sort of, I guess that the ego was attacked because it's like, I place so much certainty onto my ego. And if that doesn't, isn't as real, then like, um, it created serious discomfort in me. So I was sort of wanting to connect with someone and hoping they would listen and accept my doubting of the realness of the experience. Mm. Um, I was looking for someone that could like, give me that space to be like, yeah, maybe it's not real. We don't know. Um, Whereas he was like, no, it's real. You experience it. There's no point in doubting it, you know? And suddenly I felt ah. like all these people that I was on this trip with, all of them, because all of them had done ayahuasca multiple times and they were so into that as a religion mm. that I sort of felt like I was in this place with these people that I couldn't trust. Like I, I felt like a lot of my my deeper issues came up, like all of the stuff mm. that that made me feel disconnected from society probably earlier came up in like a very intense way and here i was in this jungle without any connection with these people that i couldn't trust you know mm. um and so i had this really really intense feeling of isolation and loneliness and i i thought okay what can i do here so i brought it up to the facilitator and we talked about it and we talked about when I was younger and I was depressed because it was sort of that same experience. Mm. And we sort of came to a certain conclusion that it had to do with my relationship with my father. And I was like, that makes sense to me, the way he phrased it and the way he saw it. And I thought, okay, there's something there. Mm. So going into the third trip, we agreed, okay, the purpose of my trip is to explore that place and heal it. And so I sat there with that. That was sort of my um that was sort of my intention for the trip we go around everyone does the ayahuasca it's my turn i go up to drink it and as soon as the ayahuasca and i need to say before this the ayahuasca they brewed it initially for the beginning of the trip and it was the same ayahuasca they had for the entire trip all four trips was the same like brew of ayahuasca mm. that they used so it didn't change or anything but the third time when i went up to drink it the taste of it was completely different. Like it was horrific. It was super like uh, disgusting. As soon as it touched my lips and I drank it, like from my mouth and down, I just felt this like disgust and this desire to puke. Whereas in the other trips, like sure, I puked in all of them, but usually I would be fine the first one and a half hours. And then I would mm. start feeling nauseous and puke. Mm. And here straight away, I felt like really uncomfortable and, and, and not good. Um, I went to sit down and I started feeling the same. I felt sick. And I think usually it would be like an hour, one and a half hours until I started feeling something. I felt really bad inside, both emotionally, physically. And after around, I would say 20, 30 minutes, 
I could just feel like it kicked in and it kicked in in a very aggressive, I would say aggressive way, like almost like it had a, had an intention of, of like being violent with me. Mm. Um, I felt that it's, it, it tried to like grab me like with strength and pull me forward into the trip. And I felt myself like really physically almost being pulled forward. Yeah. And and in that moment, I had a lot of fear. I was not in a good place emotionally, mentally. In that moment, I started thinking about the last trip and realized that in the last trip, I, I at that point, I understood it's never going to last forever. Whatever I experience, it will go over. Mm. At the same time, the last trip, time didn't exist. So I also thought, in a sense, what I'm about to experience will feel like it will never end until it finally does end. Yeah. But in the moment, it will never feel like it's going to end. Um, and it it felt like I was being sucked into a black hole and I was scared that I would lose the contact with everyone. Like, even though I was sitting like with people next to me, they might as well have been dead. Like, it felt like I was just there alone, mm. but not even there. Like, I was being sucked into a place where there was no light that would be able to enter like a black hole. Like, any amount of unhappiness would be stripped away from me immediately any amount of joy, any amount of pleasant emotion or light would not be able to exist in that place that it was sucking me into. And I knew in that moment that, okay, this is something that I want to see if I can work through. And I tried to calm myself and it didn't work. Whatever I, I, I tried to do, it just didn't work. And I was, I was just like really in a, like the worst place I've been mentally ever. Um, at that point, I, I got up and um, I thought, okay, I give up. Like, it's I, I I try to fight it alone. I'm not strong enough. I don't feel strong enough. I don't feel like I can handle this. It's, it's way too much. So I thought, okay, I'm going to go over. I'm going to find the facilitator um, and I'm going to ask him to help me. I, I didn't want to do it initially also because I didn't want to ruin the trip for other people and everyone is sitting in their own space. Yeah. And I was like, okay, fuck that. I'm, I'm going to go over. I'm, I need help. Yeah. Um, so I'm like trying to crawl, but you can't see anything because it's dark and, and your eyes like are a little bit fucked as well, um, visually. And I just, I, I try to call out his name. And have you ever seen the movie called, like a horror movie called Insidious? No, I haven't seen it. There is this horror movie where there's a son and he disappears in the spirit realm and his body is laying there lifeless. He's still beating, but he's not in his body. And then they get like some doctor and they have to go into the spirit, spirit realm to find him. And when they're inside, there's just darkness all around them with some spirits like floating around. And mm. when they call, it's like a whisper. Mm. And that's exactly what it felt like. So I, I go over and I try to call him and it really feels like he's, Physically, he was probably like 30, meters, 30 centimeters away from me. Physically, it felt like he was not in the same world as me. And I, wow. and I call and it's just like my, my, the sound of my voice is just fading. And he's like, he's answering me. He's like, yeah, I'm here. And uh, I just remember like trying to clasp onto him physically because I was scared that I was sucked into a world. And some part of me thought if I'm physically holding onto him, I can... <laughs> I can um, use that to like as an anchor in the real in the world where he's alive and I'm not yeah. alone, you know. Yeah. Uh, that was sort of like what I was 
thinking logically. Um, and I was just in a pure, pure, pure state of terror. Like mm. when I was a kid, um, to give some backstory as well, I would sometimes wake up in the middle of the night just in pure state of terror. And my mom would be like, what's going on? I don't know what's going on. How can I help you? And I would just have had some weird dream. And for some reason, it just triggered this terror mm. feeling inside me that when I was awake, it, I was still somehow caught in the dream that I couldn't escape it until I fall back asleep. And then the day after, I would have a hard time remembering it. And it was the same experience I had there, but just very, very intense. Like I was caught in this other dimension that was sucking me in. Um, I hold on to him physically and I'm still like in this space of nothingness. Like there's no ground beneath my feet. Um, and he tells me to come sit next to him. And, um, and also they, again, they tell you to talk with the ayahuasca. So, <laughs> so I tried to just say like, it's too much. It's too much. Help me stop. It's too much. It's too much. I can't handle it and nothing. He finally tells me to come sit next to him. And at the moment I sit next to him on the pillow next to him, I, I finally feel like, oh, there's ground beneath me. Mm. And it's like, I can, I can relax a little bit more. Um, then they start cleansing me with this, um, again, this perfume water. They, you, you put it in your mouth and then you sort of like <sighs> spray it with your mouth on your mm. chest, uh, on your head and stuff like that. And he started singing uh, the Shibibu songs. The Shibibu is the tribe name. He started singing one of the songs and his singing was taking my focus a little bit away from my experience so that I could relax through it. Um, after he sang a little bit for me, it sort of got me to a place where I feel like I could, I could breathe and I could, I could work with myself to get through the rest of it. Like I was still in the middle of a very unpleasant experience, but I, I, I feel like, okay, I have enough like space now that I can actually uh, get myself through the rest of the way. Mm -hmm. And uh, what happened was that I started focusing on my breathing. And as I was breathing, it's hard to describe. It was like a little bit of a visual inside my head. It wasn't like as strong, like hallucination, but it was more like I was feeling the sensation almost in my body of maturing, like physically growing uh, older and, and stronger as I was like breathing and controlling my breath. Um, and it sort of showed me in that sense that the realization that I had was that I'm only as strong as the current state that I'm in. Mm. So when I had that experience, I was going through this terror attack that I would have when I was a kid. And so my understanding of it was that it brought me back to being in the state of terror as a three, four, five-year-old kid mm. that was not strong enough to handle it himself. Um, as I was breathing and calming myself, I felt as if I was growing stronger to the point where I felt like now I was this strong and mature man that could take care of a family uh, mm. and take care of myself. Um, and at that point, I still felt like the uh, sickness in my stomach, like from needing to puke. I think mm. I had already puked at that point as well. Um, but then I just started like saying to myself, okay, come on, let me get this out. Like I started talking to ayahuasca, talking to myself, like, let me heal myself so I can puke this out. And I started sort of, sort of like visualizing this like baby version of myself, like kid version, like three-year-old 
that was like in the area in my stomach where the pain was. And I was seeing it as this like child that was like um, sad and crying and scared. And I was trying to like comfort it, like being my older self, like saying, mm. hey, you can trust me. I'll, I'll take care of you. I promise you, I'll take care of you. And then I started saying, let me prove to you that I can handle it. Let me puke this out. Let me puke this out. Um, and I sort of started like, like I, I can't remember what I did, but like I was starting to visualize myself as a warrior that had to go through this fight of like getting the sickness out of my stomach. And, and I was like really sort of like getting aggressive, like a warrior, like saying, I want to puke this out now. Like let me mm. puke this out now. And as I was getting aggressive, it was like demanding it. Finally, it was like my body, it was, it, was, it was really intense, actually. Like my body was shaking and I felt this like spiral of like cramps in my stomach mm-hmm. as I was puking it out, like a cramp going all the way up. And it was just super intense puke. Like somehow automatically I, I was like screaming a little bit as I was puking. <laughs> um, oh, or not, not screaming, but like, Wah! yeah, if that makes sense, like adding sound. I might exaggerate a little bit when it, the sound of it, um, but I, I, that kept kept happening, and then finally I feel like I got it out, um, even though I I didn't feel like I removed all of it, if that makes sense. Um, but that was pretty much it. Then I I felt like I I was able to puke it out, and at the end of it I came back for it, but I, I it was. For me, in the sense, not like it was a complete experience. Like I was like, okay, I was happy. I got through it. I sat through mm. it and I held myself partly through it. Um, but I guess there was a part of me that was disappointed that I wasn't able to do it from the beginning, but that I had to call out for help on it. Mm. Um, yeah, that I, that I wasn't able to go through it and, and fight through it myself, I guess that might not be a very healthy idea in the first place, but I remember that being the experience. Wow. Yeah. And it wasn't very long. It lasted for like, when I tell it, it it probably sounds like it was long. I think it was only like, like from beginning to end, it was probably like 30, 40, 40 minutes ish. It wasn't a a super long experience. Mm. Um, And after that, I didn't really have much of a, of a trip that night. I sort of, just felt like I was floating down through the river in the jungle. And uh, I felt a little bit like a monkey at some point, but it wasn't like. Holy shit, man. It sounds, it sounds incredibly weird. (laughs) (laughs) Fascinating, really fascinating. It's just all that weird shit, right? It's. um, And it was surprising to me that like the, the demon face was not scary to me. Yeah. Um, and for me, that was the proof. Like, it's not what I'm going for. It's just my state of being. Mm. Uh, after I puked, I, I walked with one of the assistants to the toilet. We walked through some of the jungle to the toilet. And mm. in the toilet, it was like there was like dripping stuff on the walls in my mind. Like in a horror game, like where mm. like you're in a super shitty toilet and you can see like some blood on the walls and this kind of thing. And all of that, I, I loved, like, I thought it was hilarious. Yeah. Um, and I was like, it's so funny to me that that experience is like, because I'm so comfortable and I know his eyes, ah, just visuals, mm. that that's not scary. But this super um, 
like there was no visual things in my negative experience. I thought maybe I saw some shadows moving, but that wasn't the horrible part. The horrible part was the sensations and the experience. And yeah, it's just funny to me that it, it was so. Yeah, that is, that is interesting that this, this stuff that actually shows you something that should be scary is not because you know that it's like, but and yeah. a, a feeling can be really scary when it's not like you can't, yeah. see, it's not external. It's something that's just that you feel. Did yeah, you talk exactly. to, to the um, facilitators afterwards about what, what happened? That's a good question. I actually don't remember if I did. Uh, I I assume I did, but I can't remember any like, oh yeah, we talked and then this was the conclusion. Mm. Um, no, I, I remember that I was super terrified of going into my fourth trip. Um, and then in the fourth trip, it was also weird because it was like the whole group was connected um, in some sense, like in the fourth trip, yeah, I didn't, I, I barely felt anything. I, I got a little, I didn't puke. Uh, I feel a little bit of a visuals and I was just tired and, and nothing really happened. Uh, mm. And then for the rest of the participants, it was the exact same for the fourth trip for some reason on that oh. trip, like people started falling asleep and stuff like that. Like I think 10 people were asleep, almost no one puked. Wow. Um, it was quite interesting that like it was that connected in, in a weird sense. Yeah weird maybe yeah. you were just all tired and wrecked from your experiences or just like probably build do you build up uh, tolerance do you know that is that a part of it i i don't think so as i remember i don't think so um no i it's don't think you do it sounds like from what i remember i could be wrong it's it's so weird for me to sit here and not have any experience but uh, but still want to give my opinion about what it sounds like your experience. But I've just I been listening to so fair. many to so many yeah, different yeah. experiences from other people, and I've heard that feeling before of feeling like you're disappearing or being sucked into this very tiny space. And uh, I've heard that before, mm. and also from that guy, what is his name? The guy that has Vsauce the YouTube channel. He did a, ah, a YouTube premium uh, show. Where did Ayahuasca? Where did Ayahuasca? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I haven't... And, he's, and he said huh. he had uh, he had the beginning of that feeling of, of he felt like he was disappearing out of the world and going somewhere uh, where he didn't know and he was getting sucked into this very small place. Um, and he said that when he talked to the facilitators, they said that that was the beginning of uh, of that ego death that you sometimes hear about, where people feel like they they disappear and now they're just this floating consciousness that is part of everything, but they're not a person anymore because the ego has disappeared completely. And he mm. said that they said to him at that point that that was probably the beginning of that, but because he didn't, he wasn't able to relax in it and give himself over to it. He didn't experience that ego death completely, but 
but that's how it feels when you go into it mm. is that you get scared or your ego gets really fucking scared yeah. because it feels like it's disappearing because that's basically what it is and on a scientific level it's it's um i don't remember what it's called or do i no i don't it's um but there's a center in the brain that is responsible for your feeling of self and ego and identity that is uh silenced when you're on dmt or lsd or uh, mushrooms wow it's not silenced completely but like it's it's um severely uh what's that called like um is yeah the activity uh, drops severely in that center of the brain wow and that's also why it's so good for depression and stuff like that because uh depression is actually uh an extreme focus on um on yourself and what you feel bad about and what is going wrong in your life and all of these kinds of things uh and when you experience yourself disappearing it kind of helps a lot with that and that has to do with that center in the brain that i don't remember the name of right now but there's a really good uh, video on youtube if you just search how does psychedelic works i or psychedelics work i think it's one of the first one where okay. uh michael poland that was just in joe rogan not that long ago because he wrote a book about doing psychedelics um he talks about this um so i think it sounds like that was what That's, I, I, I didn't hear that at all before like sorry to interrupt I'm I'm blown away by it a little bit. Like that's so fascinating. Uh I and I completely agree. Like I definitely think that's what it was. And it's so interesting, huh? Especially like the scientific uh part of it. I, I never heard about that before. Um but that was definitely I can't remember if it was straight away or after some time. That was definitely my takeaway as well. Like I I sort of wish. And I do believe like everything is perfect and all that, but part of me definitely wished that I had been able to, like previous, we talked about trauma and relaxing through it. For me, uh, when it comes to death, I see it as one of the biggest goals of dying is to be able to relax to the point where you're not clinging on or panicking when that process happening, the, the sense of losing yourself. Mm. Um, and I wish that I had, in a sense wish that i had the abilities to do that in that moment and i'm very curious what the experience would have been like if i had been able to do that or if i had done that you might um, be able to do that in the future i might be yeah for sure um but i think that's so interesting yeah that's that's one of the big parts of why i'm interested in it is is that mm. experience of losing your sense of self and sense of identity and not existing but still being conscious that must be so weird to to feel like you're you don't exist but you're still conscious that must be really weird uh so yeah yeah i think yeah. that's that's so in, freaking in, interesting. Uh, in uh buddhism specifically in the vipassana meditation that i've I've done, um, they talk about that, they call them samskaras, uh, which is the same in a sense as traumas. And uh, what they talk about is, let me see here, can you hear me? Yeah. 
Okay. I heard something before, but now you're totally frozen now. I think you're gone. You're back. Okay. Hello. Yeah, I can see you now. I'm back. And, uh, yeah, you're back. You're back now. Um. Okay. Nice. Uh. So in in Buddhism or in Vipassana, as I experienced, they talk about these samskaras or traumas, if you will. Um, that on the point of dying, what they say is that when you're dying, one of your old traumas or samskaras will come to the surface and your reaction to that samskara will be what pushes you into the next life in the sense that if you are able to relax through it or not react to it, then that's when you can cut the chain of the reincarnation process and uh, come to nirvana, as they would call it. Um, so what I would believe happened in my experience is that um, that trauma, which I would also say probably from my perspective, what I do believe is that what I experienced as a kid with like me waking up with these night terror attacks and um, having this state of, of terror would be like some kind of trauma from the past that is somehow coming up maybe even a trauma from a past life if if you will and so in that experience where i might be on the verge of losing myself of sense of, of self um that trauma come came to the surface and then uh triggered that mm. state of fear which then meant that i couldn't drift off into um the full experience of just being without my sense of self mm. i could see that as a potential explanation for it yeah and what about the whole thing about you basically breathing strength into yourself and you talked about yes. feeling yourself as a baby in, inside your stomach almost as i understood it and you kind of reassuring this uh crying baby or uh that that you're gonna take care of it because now you feel like strong and capable of taking mm -hmm. care of it what do you make of that experience well i i would say this like as a disclaimer i would say it was largely like self-created like I, i wanted to get the most out of my experience when i had that pain and i wanted to find some kind of way that i could use it to to heal and to grow mm -hmm. uh what I said with like the breathing was this, the sense of when I started becoming aware of my breath and, and focused on my breathing pattern, it was like, I could calm myself down to the point where it was, it was, I wouldn't say as much like me breathing in strength, but more me calming myself down to the point of, of where the more calm I was, the stronger or more able I was to protect myself and, and, um, be strong in a sense. Mm. And so my weakness was my, I guess you could say triggered nervous system or my fear reaction to this. And by breathing, I could lose my fear and thus lose my weakness. Um, and, and then I feel that pain inside of my stomach. And I honestly don't remember how much of that was like me trying to find out what the cause of the pain was and, and putting that image in my own head of like, it's a kid version of myself. Um, because I'd done it like in self-development, I'd done exercises where I would like visualize meeting my 
myself as a three-year-old and like hugging him and uh comforting him and whatnot mm. and i really enjoyed that exercise actually um mm. so i can't remember how much of that was like me experiencing it and it being like created for me or me trying to put on to my experience some kind of meaning that i could use to mm. grow or potentially heal something inside of myself um yeah I, i'm 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 not sure are you there yeah yeah okay okay you just uh the image froze so i was not sure if you were there um so you think that you might have been kind of drawing on previous experiences to kind of find some sort of meaning in all of the chaos that you were experiencing i think i lost you now I think I lost you too. Oh, there you are. I think we're back. Can you hear me? Yeah, can you hear me? I, I didn't catch what you said. Yeah. You can hear me. Great. I just said that, um, do you think that you were, um, yeah, so drawing on those previous experiences from your meditations to kind of, um calm yourself down by experiencing something that you had tried before or like i think it was a mixture of that uh, okay. i think what i would would change my answer to is that with the ayahuasca there were some things like for example when i talked about my second trip where i feel like i drifted into a different world mm. there was none of that that i feel like i created no um or it was like my imagination there was none of that in the first trip however when I went through the experience with my ex-girlfriend and these kind of things, I feel like that could have been created by my mind, like just imagining stuff. Mm. The same when I wish visualized, like there was like a baby or kid version of myself inside my stomach that was hurt and upset. That was be something where I would say, I don't know if the ayahuasca made me more creative with my imagination. And then my imagination created that picture of mm. kid inside myself. Um, so it wasn't that it I I didn't feel like it was something that it was like feeding me, but more something that came and I wasn't sure if I created it or if that makes sense. I think it does. I you know I I I don't have any experience with it, so I'm not sure I I understand fully what the difference is. But I think I understand the concepts of one thing is that you feel like you are being shown something that you have no control over yeah exactly and the other thing is like when you remember something or you dream something it's like your own mind creating it it's like almost like when you are um if you have like a feverish dream or something you start like i would drift in and sometimes when i have a fever i would drift in and out of reality and, yeah. and sleepiness and then i would sometimes even when i'm awake have these like feverish dreams that are somehow influencing my awake state mm. at points i feel like ayahuasca would do the same thing and then at other points, I feel like I was just like gone into a different world. Mm. So on the second trip, I feel like I was gone into a different world. Like there was no part of that that was somehow like an illusion created. Whereas on the first and the third trip, when I would have some visual stuff, it felt more like it was just like a uh, exaggerated experience of reality that was influenced 
creatively by the ayahuasca. Mm. Yeah. Mm. <coughs> wow. So that was all of your trips on ayahuasca. Yeah. I yeah. The fourth trip was the fourth trip was when I felt like I drifted down the jungle. I yeah. felt like I was in like some spider nip, but it was more of like, it feels a, like a monkey at some like, point. Yeah, I feel like a monkey. I feel <laughs> one of the shamans, she had like a pit monkey called yeah. Alyssa. And at, at that point, I feel like, oh, I'm like friends with Alyssa. Yeah. And the day after, I went out to see the monkey and I was like, oh, I hope she recognizes me somehow from there. <laughs> <laughs> we had this experience together. I felt like. I don't think she felt the same way, unfortunately. <laughs> but that's great. It's a very adorable monkey, though. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I like that. But I, I think um, because you have also had experiences with mushrooms, mushrooms and LSD. Only yeah. I, I tried mushrooms one, one time, and that I haven't tried LSD yet. I would like to try okay. it, but I haven't tried it yet. Okay. Because I was about to say, I think time-wise... We are running out of time now, so uh, I think we should save that maybe for another uh, talk. I think it was interesting, actually, what you just said about the monkey, because uh, that's another thing that I've heard from a lot of different interviews, that um, people start feeling like everything has a, like a personality, like even like plants and rocks and like mm. and you can kind of connect with everything and mm. when when on i ayahuasca was on psychedelics in general on psychedelics in general um i think what i'm specifically thinking about now is both an ayahuasca interview that i heard and an interview with sting actually talking about mescaline uh mescaline trip that he had where he felt like he was connecting with the rock and uh, he felt like it was it was not a thing. It was like a, it had a personality. It was he was kind of saying hello hello mm. to the rock, and he felt like he and the rock were kind of like sharing this moment. <laughs> it sounds really funny, but but I actually uh, want to say that when I was in that sensory deprivation thing. We talked a little bit about last time. I had a very weird experience that was so short, and afterwards I was not, I was not really sure how to process what happened. If if I was just if I fell asleep and I was dreaming, or it was like another state of mind because you can apparently go into other states of mind that can be kind of psychedelic when you're in that sensory deprivation chamber. Uh -huh. But for just a very brief moment when I was in there, I felt hungry. And my like natural response at that point was to say hello to my feeling of hunger. And it answered me back. And I got this feeling that we were just like hanging out together inside of me, that, that it was like, I met my hunger and I was like, oh, hey, you're here too. And my hunger was like, yeah, I'm just chilling. Like, what about you? And, and this, the moment that I realized that like what was going on, I, I was out of it and I was like mm -hmm. awake or I was like, yeah, I, I, I feel like something weird just happened. 
And now that I became aware of that it was happening, I'm kind of out of that state of mind. Yeah. And nothing yeah, else happened uh, during the, the time I was there. And afterwards, I was just like, that was so fucking weird. And it lasted like 10 seconds or something. Just a very brief exchange of like saying hi to the hunger and the hunger saying hi to me. But I kind of, when I've then been listening to interviews afterwards, I've been like, it sounds a little bit similar to some of that stuff where people feel like they're talking to a rock or they, they're having this moment with a monkey or something that like, you can kind of feel like things have a personality and that you can interact with them or have this like shared yeah. experience in some weird way. And actually afterwards, it's something that I've kind of taken with me that like consciously, sometimes if I have a feeling like this is actually kind of full circle back to where we started, uh, where we talked about this uh, with feelings and trying to relax with the feelings. I kind of try and use that experience to when I have a feeling to kind of greet it and like welcome it and be like, oh, hi, you're here too. Like I'm here and like my anger is here as well. And just like being, uh, like treating it as it's another entity that is inside me and we're both here and it's cool. Mm -hmm. We're just hanging out. Like there's no harm. It's like my wow. anger is not dangerous or anything. It's just there. And it's part of me just like anything else. And that really helps me when I'm in those moments. And I just, I feel like just that little glimpse of, having this weird experience in that tank has really actually been very useful to me so that's kind of um fueled my interest in all of these kinds of things um so yeah but that sounds incredible i have i've never can you hear me yeah i can hear you i've never uh heard that analogy before that sounds amazing though to greet it like it's another entity I think that's super amazing, actually. I think because I had that experience where I, I didn't feel like I created the experience. Uh, I feel like it, it just happened and it surprised me. And then when I became aware, it kind of disappeared. Um, mm. I feel like afterwards, when I then do it consciously, where I am doing it, um, yeah it kind of it doesn't feel so weird to me it doesn't feel like i'm you know just talking to myself or stuff like that it feels like i'm just i'm doing this thing that i have tried uh, experiencing before and mm. so it kind of makes it feel more real somehow that it really is a separate entity inside of me that and that it makes yeah. sense for me to to greet it and all of that stuff and yeah, that's that's one of the things that makes me really interested in those kinds of experiences because I feel that that can be that can be really helpful to yeah get out of your normal frame of mind and have some sort of experience and maybe you can then use it afterwards and maybe not maybe it's just very uncomfortable. <laughs> I think yeah. that's such a good strategy for for tackling emotions. It's super super good i f i feel like it's working really well and it surprised me because i 
because I don't feel like I came up with it or I read it somewhere or it was just like it's just it, I just experienced it and yeah it's kind of that's it's kind of that's I really want to go back into that sensory deprivation tank soon I do yeah. too now I really <laughs> <laughs> careful you don't fall asleep yeah <laughs> probably will <laughs> probably yeah but I think uh, I really, I have really enjoyed listening to your stories uh, about these Happy things. To hear that. Uh, it, yeah. I think it was really it, interesting. I'm glad to hear that because it's a little bit frustrating to tell because in my mind, it's a certain experience and then trying to put it into words is, is difficult and I feel like I don't do it honor it sometimes and then yeah. like, oh, shit, this, yeah. So, but I'm, I'm happy to hear that. Well, yeah, I can't know how it is in relation to what you really experienced, but I just feel like it was very interesting to listen to at least. And uh, and uh, I think you explained it very uh, detailed. So it, it, it kind of felt like I could imagine what you were going through. So that was really awesome. Yeah. And I think we should end it uh, uh, here at a high note. Uh, just uh, it, it was great, I think um and i i really want to have a third time uh yeah, talking about true. the other things uh could be and, interesting uh, to take psychedelics together as well at some point now yeah um, sure sure at some point when i um get around to it you yeah, know i i have this um this habit of i just I want I research things to death before <laughs> before I try try anything. That's why I have all the science science about it uh, and not the actual experience of it. It's just I love to really get a handle on what is happening and especially science. And that's probably a kind of a sense of security thing that I feel more safe if I understand the science behind it. And that's why I always, I want to research that. And I don't feel like I'm quite finished I, with that. I lost you a little bit, but what I understand you said is that you like to research it so you feel more uh, grounded in it. Yeah, I, I said that maybe it's, it's, a, it's a comfort thing that I feel more safe if I feel like I understand the science of what is happening in your brain uh so i'm i want to research things a lot before i try them and i feel like i'm mm. still in that phase of researching before i actually jump into it uh and we'll see maybe maybe it's a it's it's a bad thing once i get to it that i've researched it so much because i have so much like um uh what's it called so much uh, like i have my mind made up about what it is and what i'm supposed to experience and what is happening in my <laughs> mind it, like before i even go into it right so it might yeah. also be a, a challenge but uh, yeah we'll see but yeah someday someday yeah i i do think it's one of those things that you don't want to like do it to do it you want to do it if it feels right and good otherwise yeah like yeah for myself at least and 
I'm definitely happy now that I didn't push myself to do ayahuasca alone in Denmark. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, after the third experience, I, or third trip, I'm like, if I had done that alone, yeah, I don't totally know easy. if I would be in uh, a mentally stable place today. So. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah, gotta be careful. That's we gotta remember that. Now we're talking about all of this stuff and it's fun and but uh but it's also serious stuff, right? It's uh it can be harmful. Yeah. Yeah, like having respect for whatever it is that you're doing, I think is super, super important. As as well with like set and settings, I wouldn't do any of them. Never say never, but I'm happy that I'm doing it in very, very controlled environments and I feel very comfortable with everyone I'm doing it with. If I would do mushrooms, I wouldn't want to do it. Even if there's one person in the group I don't feel comfortable with, No, I would probably wait with doing it myself speaking. So that's great advice, I think. And uh, let's end with that. Thank you so much yeah, well, good. for coming on again yeah. and talking to me. Yeah, you too. I enjoy sharing everything and it's always yeah, a pleasure. It is. So I guess I'll just see you next time. We'll talk uh, yeah, I'll see you next about time. Uh, when and how. That sounds good. All right. See you. Take care. See you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.